Relating to Self. A podcast that helps you create a better relationship with yourself. Hey, I'm Joachim. Welcome. Do you realize that there is only one relationship that you will always be in? The relationship with yourself. Improving that relationship changes everything. On this podcast, I share my thoughts and I invite real people to have vulnerable conversations about how they relate to themselves and what we can learn from that. In today's episode, I speak with Ben, for whom whatever he gives attention to has something to tell him about himself. Enjoy. Ben, welcome to the Relating to Self podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy you're here. It's been a while since we've spoken and I always enjoy our conversations. So I'm really curious what this one will bring us today. Maybe you'll not enjoy it for the first time and it will be a fun new discovery. <laughs> Imagine that. That will be awesome. Um, now that we're here, like the first thing I'm going to ask you, which I kind of forgot, I guess, before we started the recording, could you roughly describe what it is that you create in this world? Um, sure. So I run a creative leadership program for the last, what year are we in now? 2022. So it started in 2014. So this will be the seventh year actively. It started off with me being mostly on the management side of it, like making sure that it like physically can happen. And uh, with time, And with circumstance and with my own learning, I've become more and more in charge of creating the space and uh, arranging the content of the personal de development side of the program. So meaning that uh, at this point, I also facilitate um, situations of vulnerability within our creative leadership programs. And yeah, with that, I, I get to work with a couple of really, really cool people. So have all the support that I need for it. So it's a really lovely balance there. Mm, awesome. Well, I'm sure that will come up during the conversation, then I'll have some questions about that. But first and foremost, I am interested in what relating to self means to you. So the two main things that come up for me with that question are one of how I how I deal with myself and then also how I get to see myself. Um, I'll start with the latter because that's easier. Generally the easiest way for me to see myself is in conversation. So mm, there have been many times where <laughs> it, it's been more true. It was more true in the past than in the present, but where I would figure things out of my, about myself after having repeated it in different conversations and noticing that it was bullshit. Um, that is less true now because generally if something is bullshit, it already sounds wrong the first time it comes out of my mouth now. <laughs> so really this tool of reflection for me is extremely important because it allows me to not only hear things out loud, which somehow is always awkward to do when you're by yourself, when I'm by myself in this case, um, but also to kind of see the reaction towards it and not because the reaction 
matters in a in a certain way like it's not that i'm awaiting the judgment but it's that it acts like a tuning fork because someone's reaction to what i say allows me to react to what to their reaction so it allows me to gauge my um how do i say this my adherence to what i just said i'm really interested in this because this is something I've been using as well. And I've been um, talking about this, how the voice is one of the most powerful tools we have for relating to ourselves. And you said something really interesting that is like you used to say things and then they would sound like bullshit after a while. And that doesn't happen anymore. So I'm curious if, if you've ever tried that while not in conversation, but while just with yourself, like saying things out loud to kind of try them on and see how they resonate with you, and then you act as your own tuning fork? Is that something you've tried? There's times where I would say yes, but not as much out loud, though. But so you use your inner voice? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in terms of, but this, this happens, so there's two aspects here again. Uh, one is, as I live with someone, I live with my partner, she is... <laughs> A very available tuning fork in that way uh, or she's a very available reflection to my tuning fork so in many ways if i need to if i if i need to do like i'm not very good at spiraling spiraling for me doesn't help me so my when something is it uncomfortable for me avoidance is actually a good tool for me to make sure that i stay sober so it's I tend to avoid for a bit before I actually go into it because spiraling for me just consumes me a bit too much in a way that it doesn't actively help me, which is very different for her. Spiraling for her brings her clarity. So what I tend to do is avoid for a bit and then speak to myself. Because when I speak to myself, just to finish that off, when I speak to myself and it's in a spiraling motion, it's very hard for me to get out of that. Just to be clear, I assume with spiraling, you mean the continuous process of talking to yourself and hearing yourself and going through that story over and over. And then when you say avoidance, do you mean not doing that? So spiraling for me is that in a downward motion specifically so it's a it's, it's this going around something in my head but with no bridge out of the tone that it's being spoken in so in that way it tends to have a very negative and downward spiral kind of aspect to it and avoidance here is it's it's not only about not doing that it's about um my mind is very active just generally, and most people who know me notice that, giving my mind something else to do. So actively, if it's listening to music, watching YouTube videos, watching a series, uh, playing a game, whatever it is, just giving my mind something else to focus on allows me many times, like I can sometimes feel, and it, I'm getting a bit of a a recurrence on something like that now which is feel a bit of a, a discomfort in my chest um while being distracted i still feel it but it doesn't take over 
But if it's in a spiraling motion, and uh, now that I've had this recently happen, I was awake until 7 a.m., couldn't sleep. And the thing that brought me back to earth was my partner waking up because she felt someone was not well in the house. <laughs> so she comes to me and basically brings me back down to earth. But that has happened extremely rarely to me within the last years. Um, so it is, it is something that I, that it's, it's, it's useful that it happened very recently for me to have something to notice how that happens because it was really extremely useless for me to like, there was in the middle of the night, there was one realization that was important, which was the spiraling brought me clarity on why it was happening. Mm -hmm. What was the key insecurity that was being triggered? So that part was useful because the, the first reaction when the spiraling started was of projection. It's not me, it's you. Um, and the fact that that went on for a while and because it was the middle of the night, my partner had already fallen asleep. I didn't want to wake her up. Uh, I didn't want to turn on the computer. So there was all my avoidance mechanisms were away. It just started spiraling at some point. The clarity and I wasn't able to fall asleep properly. So there was a bit of a sleep and I came out of one of those sleeps and it was like, oh, that's how this is about me. And I continued spiraling for the next three, four hours anyway. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you for talking us through that process, Ben. Yeah, I think it's really helpful to understand how your mind works and then work with it, right? So it sounds that this avoiding what you mentioned, listening to music or doing other things to keep your mind busy is, is a very simple way for you to move out of that spiraling. It is something that works for a short amount of time. So if it's, if it's not something that works for days on end, it is something of hours. And that's where either talking to my partner or sending voice notes to a, a few close people to me would help me in that way as well. But it's, it's, it's an intermittent technique, not a useful tool <laughs> or not a, a long-term useful tool. Mm, thanks for clarifying that. There were two things that came up for you, what relating to self means. Uh, we've talked about the second one mostly, uh, how you get to see yourself. And I was going to ask you about the first one, how you deal with yourself. What does that mean? So we ended up talking a lot about that one too, because oh. it, it's <laughs> the, um, so, but, but it, so that was how I deal with myself negatively. The positive aspect of that is, I have a ten. I I have a big want of knowing myself better, because there's a um, there's a, a strong side of me which is the more I know myself, the more I allow other, uh, the more I spend time with others who I also help knowing themselves. So I offer myself as a reflection tool in that way as well, and like. A provocation tool when provocation is needed. Um, and it, it, it really, for me, one of the important things in my life is really just more and more knowing myself, my, knowing myself better. In terms of this also doesn't mean like I need to be somehow scientifically accurate in terms of how I, I come across, etc. But it's, it's just this, this constant want to, okay, where am I? 
what what has changed in the last year what has changed in the last two years um so it's 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 very little specific and more attunement okay where how can i explain this in a bit less i i feel i've been a bit vague so bringing this down to earth uh, over the last two years i've been doing a, uh, a course on well the 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 facilitator called it internal transition kind of thing. So it's basically, um, and what, what he did there was go through a lot of specific topics within our own sphere. So this latest year we did death, trauma, <laughs> sexuality. So it's a range of topics about knowing yourself with different tools. And the way that he put it up is a lot of different maps and a lot of knowledge. It helps me, but what, the, when I take all that, what I keep is what did I learn about myself? How does, how do these maps allow me to look at myself differently? How can I use these tools as different perspectives to myself? So this is a nice grounding mechanism. Different perspectives help me a lot, not because they're better than the ones before, not because they supersede or eliminate, but because they allow me to look at myself and others in different ways to see more, hopefully in a more whole way, considered more humanly instead of by a specific set of criteria. So in that way, uh, going to that trauma one that I mentioned, it has been a really interesting tool for me uh, to look at myself through the eyes of trauma because it brought me like when he, he he explained one theory of trauma in more detail which is the norm theory uh, and the focus of it is that there's five things that we need in our growing up for us to be healthy adults and if one of them is missing uh, you develop a trauma in that space so it's this is development trauma not uh, big t uh, ptsd causing trauma so knowing that my issue is in my, my major issue, because there's issues everywhere in some ways, um, my major issues in knowing what I need, it brought me a lot of clarity on a lot of things that have happened in my life because of, um, there's a bunch of like the, in time it, when I was younger, there was moments where I really noticed that I didn't know what I was feeling. And I didn't know if it was okay what I was feeling. So concepts, a base concept of emotional intelligence. But the thing that was not specific to me, but specific to people with more of an attunement, attunement trauma is that of either you don't remember to think of what you need and what you're feeling and if it's okay, or you don't, you think that it's a burden. So it's either you shouldn't, listen to yourself because it's a burden on others or because others are more important, which is not my case. My case is that of, I don't remember to. It's my, my development brain uh, created a blindness to even thinking of looking at what I need. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I resonate with that. <laughs> and I have a very simple follow-up question, which is, how do you know what you need now? Like, do you have practices or tools that help you knowing what you need? One of the best ones is relationships is in 
close friends and people who people who are really close to me have been very good at annoying me as in making clear to me that it's not something I can avoid. So in that way, it's also, it's a good sign for me that I'm attracting people to me who make sure that uh, my bullshit doesn't stand. So that, that, that is a good first step. Also, it's just because I see myself best in conversation, the, the fact that I don't, that bullshit comes less often out of my mouth or when it does, which still does very clearly, it's bookmarked as bullshit straight away. It means that I, I, I keep in touch with that. It's still something that is very clearly not easy for me. Like, what do I need? Um, and it's something where with my partner, there's moments where I notice that it's easy for her for various reasons to point out things that she would need for me to improve in terms of our uh, taking care of the house, for example my taking care of the house, it's not easy for me to point out what she would need to improve. It's very easy for me to be in relationship, um, having discussions, having coming back down to what are key issues of discomfort, etc. So conflict, easy for me. But pointing out what I need someone else to change is still something difficult for me. So even needing for myself is getting easier. That part is still like, yeah, but you're just yourself. I don't want you to have to change for, for something of mine. I can adapt. <laughs> so it is, there's that aspect to it. There's also an aspect to it, which is, it's mostly the part of just coming back to myself and what I need. And that's, it's not easy but it is getting easier, which is very much better. Hmm. I'm, I'm curious also if you give yourself what you need, because obviously in, in relating to someone else, like you talk about your partner and then it's hard for you to understand how you can ask her to change what you need from her. But I'm curious in just your relating with yourself, have you found a way to understand what you need from yourself and then give that to yourself as well? Half, half, I would say. There's parts of me which, like, one side where that's always been easy for me is food. So in that way, in, in terms of taking care of myself food-wise, that, that, that has always been a saving grace there. I've, I've always been very easily good at that. Um, not only the making of food, but also making food that I want and that heals me. And so there... Uh, that sphere has been expanding. And then there's also the side of, because I work in this space of, of personal development, um, what that means to me is if I'm proposing anything for someone else to go through, uh, it needs to come from my vulnerability as well. Not from a space of, uh, I've got this tool that's really cool for you. Hey, you should do it. And without my, my, um, even my guarantee that there's a safeguard there because whenever you're talking about personal development, even if it's the most innocuous stuff, it can trigger because it's basically personal development. It's about looking at yourself and our barriers to that. If we're letting them down could 
could very easily with very simple things get somewhere extremely deep uh, or extremely raw or extremely triggering. So in that way, that has been also a very good uh, tool for me in terms of as I'm working on content or working on improving it, I'm always bringing it back to myself because if I'm, uh, if I'm proposing for us to do a, a session on emotions, which is a session I've developed more and more, I need to have also had conversations with my different emotions. I need to be in a place of being able to converse with them openly so that I can also propose for other people to do that. Apart from the theoretical side of if I'm, if I'm proposing, oh, this is a theory of emotions that we're going to be working with, the theoretical side, having that down is easier for me. Do you have a, a practice of having conversations with the different emotions that you go through? So that so the, the, there's an interesting question that's come up in in, in everything you've been do, asking, which is, do you have a practice? And the answer to that baseline is more or less no. And one of the major reasons is my uh, I'm really good with systematically going through things in many ways, but practices have never been my, my, my key in terms of there's been moments in my life where I did something more or less and either I lose them or more than that, they just don't make sense to me at some point anymore. So it's something that I know is very mine. Like I would never tell someone, Oh no, you shouldn't have a practice. You should just do things as they come. My brain works well with this chaos. Uh, it's the same way as when people ask me, why do you go to sleep? Generally at 2 AM it's, Have you ever tried waking up early? Yes, I've tried waking up early. It, it's, it's a beautiful time of day. It is extremely nice to have the sun on your face at 7 a.m. I don't deny any of that. But there's something in me that loves feeling 1 a.m. So it's, it is also this side of me of, well, it is a side of me that respects my needs. Like, I like being awake at 1 a.m. because there's a peacefulness to that hour. And uh, that's been true for most of my life. Um, and in that way also, when I feel a discomfort in me, which like recently has been a lot, like it's easiest to describe by chakras for some reason, because energetically they have descripti descriptors between the third and the fifth. So three, four, five, because there's been a lot of emotional stuff going on and a lot of having to connect with my instinct and my voice. And recently, uh, a part that, that's come out for that was there was something stuck in my throat, which I was like, how am I supposed to figure out what this is? Because generally, if you think of it, something comes up. And for me, it was just the only thing that was, gonna, was coming up every time I thought about what, what's going on there was weight. <laughs> so it was like so general that I just started like saying things. <laughs> nothing would come out. So in that, like, no, and this wouldn't dissolve. So it did become a little bit of a physical thing afterwards. But one of the things I did do, which was really nice in that moment, which thing. So it comes back down to what needs attention and how can I give it attention? So the 
this doesn't have a system around it though. Mm. Like if I'm going to look back and see how I've done things, that tends to be it. If I feel a discomfort, I, I, I look at it, I feel it. And it's, and it's, um, it's not always fun, but it does come back down to what is the discomfort and how can I give it attention? How can I give it, well, how can I give it what it needs? Well, if I may reflect on that, there's two things I want to say. First of all, everyone's different, right? We should all figure out what works for us. That is absolutely clear. There is no universal thing that works for everyone in creating better relationships with ourselves. The second thing is when I say practice, I don't necessarily always mean like a system or something you do every day, like a yoga practice or something, right? I think some of my practices are just more like everyday practical. Like I know that every time I am with someone that I care about, I tend to lose sight of what I need, right? So my practice, I could say, is that when I'm with someone, oh, I'm going to actively try to remember to tune into myself and to see what I need. That's not something I do every day, like a meditation, but it's, it's still a practice because I know, and it's a bit like when you said, for me, I attend to what needs attention right now, but I kind of already know what will need attention. <laughs> and repeatedly <laughs> from my history, I've seen that, you know, taking care of my needs in relationship to others is something that needs attention all the time. So I call that a practice. That makes sense. Yeah. Ben, I'm really curious also about specifically, because that's something I know about you, your relationship with music and how that actually ties into your relationship with yourself or, you know, how you relate to yourself. I know that music plays an incredibly important role in your life. Would you say that you use music? to relate to yourself in specific ways or how does that work, that relationship? Very nice questions. Um, I think that music, first of all, the first layer of this is that it can show very much my relationship with myself more as, um, the, yeah, the first thing I would say is that it, it really is a good case study for how I relate to myself. Um, it does also do the other things you're saying, but I wanted to say, uh, talk to, about this for a second first because I have this tendency of obsessiveness and also a tendency of letting it go afterwards. And music has been, I would say, the most beautiful place where that's come to life because for two years I, I saw over 200 live acts uh, each year. Uh, I did an Excel sheet of it to make sure I could count it, and it was 450 over two years. That was 2015 and 2016. That sounds like a practice, Ben. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was very much a practice. Um, and then the, the two years after that, I listened to a lot of albums that were coming out on that on each of those years. So that was 2017 and 2018. Again, Excel sheets more in the first year than the second. And that was listening to them, feeling what I feel about them, thinking what I feel about them, thinking what I think about them too. Uh, so for those four years, I did year-end lists of my favorite albums of those years. And what's happened since is it's still difficult for me in this moment to go to concerts because, well, in this moment, COVID. But <laughs> generally, um, seeing 450 live performances in two years kind of gives you a very good snapshot of how artists see performance. And by you there, I mean me. Because I, 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 I was seeing a lot of the same. And the ones that would uh, jump out 
were really lovely in that in those moments. But it feels like to me, for me to get those ones that will jump out, I have to kind of uh, be a be available for all of it. Um, so in that way, I haven't been back to festivals as much. This was even before the pandemic. Um, and then the other side of just listening. So the other side of this, and this is where I would say it relates a lot to myself. I tend to want to listen to music of the now. And it's not because music of the 80s, 70s, 40s, 90s, 2000s isn't interesting. I sometimes listen to albums from going back. But for me, one of my, and this comes back to listening to where I am and what needs attention, I tend to want to know what the current space of the world is. And music is an, a very nice um, tuning fork for that because it gives you a snapshot generally of the last two years. An album that comes out now has zeitgeist of the last two years, within the last two years. So it's a very interesting cultural tuning fork. And it brings me, it grounds me in that way as well. So it's about trying to feel what the needs of the world are right now in some, in some aspects. Um, and also, what is, what is alive in the world right now that needs to be said? that needs to be sung, that needs to be expressed. Um, so that tends to be a lot of my natural space. So when I listen to albums that really touch me, they generally tend to be of the now. Um, and there was a few last year that I would very much, that I very much loved in that way. So my, my relationship with music tends to be more emotional than anything else. Uh, my ears don't listen to the details of the lyrics that quickly, which I think is also the reason why I can enjoy trap, even though it's not my favorite genre. It, the lyrics tend to not matter <laughs> that much. But there's also a side of it, which is I think that the best music reinforces the lyrics. So the lyrics also in that way reinforce the music. And in that relationship, listening to the lyrics is important as a second thing and not the main thing. So there's a lot of little details there, which, but it brings me back to myself, which is once I notice that I'm listening to an album a lot, I tend to think about how this makes me feel, why this makes me feel that way. And what is it telling me? Oh, yeah. It's funny. I've been saying something a lot in these last months, and I haven't said it here yet. But it is a key to relating to myself, which is a belief of whatever I'm giving attention to has something to tell me. And what it has to tell me is generally about myself, because I'm, my, my attention is going there. So in that way... That would be, I think, that is my biggest practice. There you go. That is my biggest practice of relating to self. What am I giving attention to? And what is it t trying to tell me? Beautiful. I love it, Ben. This is definitely going as the quote of the, of the conversation. <laughs> I like that. 
one more thing about music though because we we're we're heading towards the end of this of this conversation sadly um i'm really curious about well i'm going to give an example for me there are different modes in which i listen to music or use music i would say sometimes i feel very strongly that i'm in a certain mood and then i want the music to reflect the mood that i'm already in so i will like I'm, i feel a certain way and i'm like oh yeah this song fits with that mood so i'm going to put on that song and i'm going to like reinforce the mood i'm in and then sometimes it's the opposite i feel a certain way but i want to feel differently and then i choose music that i know will make me feel a certain way that is different from how i feel now so that's more like a, a functional use of music almost to change the way i feel about myself or the way i feel in the world and i'm curious on that axis on that spectrum like where are you I'll answer by describing my modes because I think my modes are generally two as well. One is I know what I want to listen to and the other is I don't know what I want to listen to. And in the former, what I tend to do is I, I save a lot of albums on my Spotify. So I just go to the album I want to listen to or I search for the album directly because it might be like completely lost in the middle of all that. Or it's one of my, um, I have a playlist that I that I have been curating, but currently has been a bit, this year, a little bit more stopped. And in that playlist, sometimes because it's, it's a mix of music, a mix of emotions, that might be what I want to listen to. But it's in those terms, it tends to be specific and I know what it is. Um, and that's what then gives me the visibility of what I just talked about before. The other one, if I don't know what I want to listen to, then either of, so in the playlist that I've been curating, I save all the songs that have been on that playlist on a massive playlist. that's now like, what, 10, 12, 15 hours long. I don't even know anymore. So that is, so if I'm, if I'm not sure what I want to listen to, I either go down the albums list on my Spotify or down that playlist. So it's more, what am I gravitating to? And it, and the reason why I'm describing it in this way as well is that it tends not to be about I want a mood or I want uh, or I am in a mood, but it's more what what captures my attention in this moment in a way, um, because yeah, yeah. Or if uh, sometimes if I feel a mood coming up of like oh yeah I really want to listen to that band yeah. So it is specific or unspecific. Those tend to be my two modes. And in the unspecific, I have a very big repertoire of albums and a very long repertoire of songs that I can go to for 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 that. Hmm. Yeah, I really like this idea of looking at what captures your attention right now and then seeing what that specific thing has to tell you in the moment about yourself. That's beautiful. Ben, thank you so much for this conversation. I really enjoyed it. I have one more question for you, and that is... Is there any question that you would have loved to answer that I haven't asked you? I think that quote of um, the quote that you wrote down, I think, was what most needed to come out in these conversations, in this conversation, because it is something that is that has been very alive in me. Let's see what else has been very alive in me recently that I feel like would be an interesting thing to share. That brings me back to myself. Okay, this could be an interesting one not seeing only our intimate relationships as relationships and broadening it out to all the relationships we're in 
I feel has been a very nice way to not be bogged down by how much of me I can show or not. So in that way, I tend to be more on the non-monogamous side, but it's less relevant about the relationship structures and more relevant for me in this moment, how open I am in my relationships, how much of me I show. So in that way, opening that lens of what are the relationships in my life from the intimacy, family, to just how do I relate to people who are close to me? And this could even, this just being close to me right now, the conversations that I've been having right now uh, over the last, and this comes back to a kind of zeitgeist thing, over the last months, over the last weeks. Um, how much do I show myself? How much do I allow myself? And by opening the thing of relationship to the relationships instead of intimate ones, familial ones, it takes away the focus of the relationship and puts the focus on how much I'm allowing myself to be seen. Mm. I love that, Ben. Beautiful. Thank you so much for these wise words. Is there anywhere where people can find you if they wish to strike a conversation with you or see what you're up to? So the company is Rebundance. So that would be Rebundance.com about contacting me. I guess Twitter would be the easiest, most open way. And I would have to go check what my Twitter handle is. Oh, there's no need. We can paste it in the show notes later so people can just click the link. No worries at all. Perfect. Rebundance.com and then finding you on Twitter. And I will find you on Twitter as well. I don't (laughs) think I have you on my Twitter. Great. I think it's just the easiest way to contact me openly. That's why. Perfect. Ben, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you very much. Have a lovely day. Thanks, Ben. Ciao. Ciao. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe to the podcast. You can also read more of my thoughts on Twitter. I will post a link in the description. And if you are interested in improving your relationship with yourself, please subscribe to my email list at relatingtoself.com. I will then send you meditations, rituals, practices, and more of these beautiful conversations. Thanks.